Part One of Echoes of the War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James Carson. Echoes of the War by J. M. Barry. Part One. The old lady shows her medals. Three nice old ladies and a criminal, who is even nicer are discussing the war over a cup of tea. The criminal, who is the hostess, calls it a dish of tea, which shows that she comes from Caledonia, but that is not her crime. They are all London charwomen, but three of them, including the hostess, are what are called professionally charwomen and, or simply ands. An and is also a caretaker when required her name is entered as such in ink in a registry book financial transactions take place across a counter between her and the registrar and altogether she is of a very different social status from one who like mrs haggerty is a charwoman but nothing else mrs haggerty though present is not at the party by invitation having seen mrs dowey buying the winkles she followed her downstairs, so has shuffled into the play, and sat down in it against our wish. We would remove her by force, or at least print her name in small letters, were it not that she takes offence very readily, and says that nobody respects her. So, as you have slipped in, you sit there, Mrs. Haggerty, but keep quiet. There is nothing doing at present in the caretaking way for Mrs. Dowie, our hostess. But this does not damp her, caretaking being only to such as she an extra financially and a halo socially. If she had the honour of being served with an income tax paper, she would probably fill in one of the nasty little compartments with the words trade charring, profession, if any, caretaking this home of hers from which to look after your house she makes occasionally temporary departures in great style escorting a barrow is in one of those what care i streets that you discover only when you have lost your way on discovering them your duty is to report them to the authorities who immediately add them to the map of london that is why we are now reporting Friday Street. We shall call it, in the rough sketch drawn for tomorrow's press, street in which the criminal resided, and you will find Mrs. Dowie's home therein marked with an X. Her abode really consists of one room, but she maintains that there are two. So, rather than argue, let us say that there are two. The other one has no window, and she could not swish her old skirts in it without knocking something over. Its grandest display is of tin pans and crockery on top of a dresser which has a lid to it. You have but to whip off the utensils and raise the lid and behold a bath with hot and cold. Mrs. Dowie is very proud of this possession, and when she shows it off, as she does perhaps too frequently, she first signs to you with closed fist, funny old thing that she is, to approach softly. 
she then tiptoes to the dresser and pops off the lid as if to take the bath unawares then she sucks her lips and is modest if you have the grace to do the exclamations in the real room is a bed though that is putting the matter too briefly the fair way to begin if you love mrs dowey is to say to her that it is a pity she has no bed if she is in her best form she will chuckle and agree that the want of a bed tries her sore she will keep you on the hooks so to speak as long as she can and then with that mouse-like movement again she will suddenly spring the bed on you you thought it was a wardrobe but she brings it down from the wall and lo a bed there is nothing else in her abode which we now see to contain four rooms kitchen pantry bedroom and bathroom that is absolutely a surprise but it is full of bits every one of which has been paid ready money for and gloated over and tended until it has become part of its owner genuine dowies the dealers might call them though there is probably nothing in the place except the bed that would fetch half a crown her home is in the basement so that the view is restricted to the lower half of persons passing overhead beyond the area stairs here at the window mrs dowey sometimes sits of a summer evening gazing not sentimentally at a flower-pot which contains one poor bulb nor yearningly at some tiny speck of sky but with unholy relish at holes in stockings and the like which are revealed to her from her point of vantage you gentle reader may flaunt by thinking that your finery awes the street but mrs dowey can tell and does that your souls are in need of neat repair also lower parts being as expressive as the face to those whose view is thus limited she could swear to scores of the passers-by in a court of law these four lively old codgers are having a good time at the tea-table and wit is flowing free as you can see by their everyday garments and by their pails and mops which are having a little tea-party by themselves in the corner it is not a gathering by invitations stretching away into yesterday it is a purely informal affair so much more attractive don't you think than banquets elaborately prearranged you know how they come about especially in wartime very likely mrs dowey met mrs twymley and mrs mickleham quite casually in the street and meant to do no more than the time of day then naturally enough the word camouflage was mentioned and they got heated but in the end mrs twymley apologized then in the odd way in which one thing leads to another the winkle man appeared and mrs dowey remembered that she had that pot of jam and that mrs mickleham had stood treat last time and soon they were all three descending the area stairs followed cringingly by the haggerty woman they have been extremely merry and never were four hard-worked old ladies who deserved it better all a woman can do in war time 
they do daily and cheerfully just as their menfolk are doing it at the front and now with the mops and pails laid aside they sprawl gracefully at ease there is no intention on their part to consider peace terms until a decisive victory has been gained in the field sarah and dowey until the kaiser is put to the right about emma mickleham and singing very small amelia twimley at this tea-party the lady who is to play the part of mrs dowey is sure to want to suggest that our heroine has a secret sorrow namely the crime but you should see us knocking that idea out of her head mrs dowey knows she is a criminal but unlike the actress she does not know that she is about to be found out and she is to put it bluntly in her own scotch way the merriest of the whole clamjamfree she presses more tea on her guests but they wave her away from them in the pretty manner of ladies who know that they have already had more than enough mrs dowey just one more winkle mrs mickleham indeed there is only one more but mrs mickleham indicates politely that if she took this one it would have to swim for it the haggerty woman takes it long afterwards when she thinks erroneously that no one is looking mrs twymley is sulking evidently someone has contradicted her probably the haggerty woman mrs twymley i say it is so the haggerty woman i say it may be so mrs twymley i suppose i ought to know me that has a son a prisoner in germany she has so obviously scored that all good feeling seems to call upon her to end here but she continues rather shabbily being the only lady present that has that proud misfortune the others are stung mrs dowey my son is fighting in france mrs mickleham mine is wounded in two places the haggerty woman mine is at Salonaiki. the absurd pronunciation of this uneducated person moves the others to mirth mrs dowey you'll excuse us mrs haggerty but the correct pronunciation is Soloniki. the haggerty woman to cover her confusion i don't think she feels that even this does not prove her case and i speak as one that has war saving certificates mrs trimley we all have them the haggerty woman whimpers and the other guests regard her with unfeeling disdain mrs dowey to restore cheerfulness oh it's a terrible war all brightening it is you may say so mrs dowey encouraged what i say is the men is splendid but i'm none so easy about the staff that's your weak point mrs mickleham mrs mickleham on the defence but determined to reveal nothing that might be of use to the enemy you may take it from me the staff's all right mrs dowey and very relieved i am to hear you say it it is here that the haggerty woman has the remaining winkle mrs mickleham 
you don't understand properly about trench warfare if i had a map mrs dowey wetting her finger to draw lines on the table that's the river somme now if we had barrages here mrs twymley very soon you would be enfilided where's your supports my lady mrs dowey is damped mrs mickleham what none of you grasps is that this is a artillery war the haggerty woman strengthened by the winkle i say that the word is saloniki the others purse their lips mrs twymley with terrible meaning will change the subject have you seen this week's fashion chat she has evidently seen and devoured it herself and even licked up the crumbs the gabardine with accordion pleats has quite gone out mrs dowey her old face sparkling my sakes you tell me mrs twymley with the touch of haughtiness that comes of great topics the plain smock has come in again with silk lacing giving that charming chic effect mrs dowey oh mrs mickleham i must say i was always partial to the straight line thoughtfully regarding the want of line in mrs twymley's person though trying to them as is of too friendly a figure it is here that the haggerty woman's fingers close on ostentatiously upon a piece of sugar mrs twymley sailing into the empyrean lady dolly canister was seen conversing across the railings in a dainty de jeu mrs dowey fine would i have liked to see her mrs twymley she is equally popular as maid wife and munition worker her two children is in set lady pops babington was married in a tight tool mrs mickleham what was her going-away dress mrs twymley a champagne cream velvet with dreamy corsage she's married to colonel the honourable chingford snubs they called him at eton the haggerty woman having disposed of the sugar very likely he'll be sent to solonike mrs mickleham wherever he is sent she'll have the same tremors as the rest of us she'll be as keen to get the letters wrote with pencils as you or me mrs twymley them pencil letters mrs dowey in her sweet scotch voice timidly afraid she may be going too far and women in enemy lands gets those pencil letters and then stop getting them the same as ourselves let's occasionally think of that she has gone too far chairs are pushed back the haggerty woman i ask you mrs mickleham that's hardly language mrs dowey mrs dowey scared kindly excuse i swear to death i'm none of your pacifists mrs mickleham freely granted mrs twymley i've heard of females who have no male relations and so they have no man party at the wars i've heard of them but i don't mix with them mrs mickleham what can the likes of us have to say to them it's not their war mrs dowey wistfully they are to be pitied mrs mickleham 
but the place for them mrs dowey is within doors with the blinds down mrs dowey hurriedly that's the place for them mrs mickleham i saw one of them to-day buying a flag i thought it was very impudent of her mrs dowey meekly so it was mrs mickleham trying to look modest with indifferent success i had a letter from my son percy yesterday mrs twymley alfred sent me his photo the haggerty woman letters from solonike is less common three bosoms heave but not alas mrs dowey's nevertheless she doggedly knits her lips mrs dowey the criminal kenneth writes to me every week there are exclamations the dauntless old thing holds aloft a packet of letters look at this all his the haggerty woman whimpers mrs twymley alfred has little time for writing being a bombardier mrs dowey relentlessly do your letters begin dear mother mrs twymley generally mrs mickleham invariable the haggerty woman every time mrs dowey delivering the knockout blow kenneth's begin dearest mother no one can think of the right reply mrs twymley doing her best a short man i should say judging by yourself she ought to have left it alone mrs dowey six feet two and a half the gloom deepens mrs mickleham against her better judgment a kilty did you tell me mrs dowey most certainly he's in the famous black watch the haggerty woman producing her handkerchief the surrey rifles is the famousest mrs mickleham there you and the king disagrees mrs haggerty his choice is the buffs same as my percy's mrs twymley magnanimously give me the r h a and you can keep all the rest mrs dowey i'm sure i have nothing to say against the surreys and the r h a and the buffs but they are just breeches regiments i understand the haggerty woman we can't all be kilties mrs dowey crushingly that's very true mrs twymley it is foolish of her but she can't help saying it has your kenneth great hairy legs mrs dowey tremendous the wicked woman but let us also say poor sarah and dowey for at this moment enter nemesis in other words the less important part of a clergyman appears upon the stair mrs mickleham it's the reverend gent mrs dowey little knowing what he is bringing her i see he has had his boots heeled it may be said of mr willings that his happy smile always walks in front of him this smile makes music of his life it means that once again he has been chosen in his opinion as the central figure in romance no one can well have led a more drab existence but he will never know it he will always think of himself humbly though elatedly as the chosen of the gods of him must it have been originally written that adventures are for the adventurous he meets them at every street corner for instance 
he assists an old lady off a bus and asks her if he can be of any further help she tells him that she wants to know the way to maddox the butchers then comes the kind triumphant smile it always comes first followed by its explanation i was there yesterday this is the merest sample of the adventures that keep mr willings up to the mark since the war broke out his zest for life has become almost terrible he can scarcely lift a newspaper and read of a hero without remembering that he knows someone of the name the soldiers rest he is connected with was once a china emporium and mark my words he had bought his tea service at it such is life when you are in the thick of it sometimes he feels that he is part of a gigantic spy drama in the course of his extraordinary comings and goings he meets with great personages of course and is the confidential recipient of secret news before imparting the news he does not as you might expect first smile expansively on the contrary there comes over his face an awful solemnity which however means the same thing when divulging the names of the personages he first looks around to make sure that no suspicious character is about and then lowering his voice tells you i had that from mr farthing himself he is the secretary of the bethnal green branch hush there is a commotion about finding a worthy chair for the reverend and there is also some furtive pulling down of sleeves but he stands surveying the ladies through his triumphant smile this amazing man knows that he is about to score again mr willings waving aside the chairs i thank you but not at all friends i have news mrs mickleham news the haggerty woman from the front mrs twymley my alfred sir they are all grown suddenly anxious all except the hostess who knows that there can never be any news from the front for her mr willings i tell you at once that all is well the news is for mrs dowey she stares mrs dowey news for me mr willings your son mrs dowey he has got five days leave she shakes her head slightly or perhaps it only trembles a little on its stem now now good news doesn't kill mrs twymley we're glad mrs dowey mrs dowey you're sure mr willings quite sure he has arrived mrs dowey he is in london mr willings he is i have spoken to him mrs mickleham you lucky woman they might see that she is not looking lucky but experience has told them how differently these things take people mr willings marvelling more and more as he unfolds his tale ladies it is quite a romance i was in the he looks around cautiously but he knows that they are all to be trusted in the church army quarters in central street trying to get on the track of one or two of our missing men suddenly my eyes i can't account for it but suddenly my eyes alighted on a highlander seated rather drearily on a bench with his kit at his feet the haggerty woman a big man 
Mr. Willings, a great brawny fellow. The Haggerty woman groans. My friend, I said at once, welcome back to Blighty. I make a point of calling it Blighty. I wonder, I said, if there is anything I can do for you. He shook his head. What regiment, I asked? Here Mr. Willings very properly lowers his voice to a whisper. Black Watch, 5th Battalion, he said. Name, I asked. Dowie, he said. Mrs. Mickleham, I declare, I do declare. Mr. Willings, showing how the thing was done, with the help of a chair. I put my hand on his shoulder as it might be thus. Kenneth Dowie, I said, I know your mother. Mrs. Dowie, wetting her lips. What did he say to that? Mr. Willings. He was incredulous. Indeed, he seemed to think I was balmy. But I offered to bring him straight to you. I told him how much you have talked to me about him. Mrs. Dowie. Bring him here. Mrs. Mickleham. I wonder he needed to be brought. Mr. Willings. He had just arrived and was bewildered by the great city. He listened to me in the taciturn Scotch way, and then he gave a curious laugh. Mrs. Twomley. A laugh? Mr. Willings, whose wild life had brought him into contact with the strangest people. The Scotch, Mrs. Twimley, express their emotions differently from us. With them, tears signify a rollicking mood, while merriment denotes that they are plunged in gloom. When I had finished, he said at once, Let us go and see the old lady. Mrs. Dowie, backing, which is the first movement she has made since he began his tale, is he coming? Mr. Willings, gloriously, he has come he is up there i told him i thought i had better break the joyful news to you three women rush to the window mrs dowey looks at her pantry door but perhaps she remembers that it does not lock on the inside she stands rigid though her face has gone very grey mrs dowey kindly get them to go away mr willings ladies i think this happy occasion scarcely requires you he is not the man to ask of woman a sacrifice that he is not prepared to make himself i also am going instantly they all survey mrs dowey and understand or think they understand mrs twimley pale and mop in hand i would thank none for their company if my alfred was at the door mrs mickleham similarly burdened the same from me Shall I send him down, Mrs. Dowie? The old lady does not hear her. She is listening, terrified, for a step on the stairs. Look at the poor, joyous thing, sir. She has his letters in her hand. The three women go. Mr. Willings puts a kind hand on Mrs. Dowie's shoulder. He thinks he so thoroughly understands the situation. Mr. Willings a good son mrs dowey to have written to you so often our old criminal quakes but she grips the letters more tightly private dowey descends dowey my friend there she is waiting for you with your letters in her hand dowey grimly that's great mr willings ascends the stair without one backward glance like the good gentleman he is 
and the dowies are left together with nearly the whole room between them he is a great rough chunk of scotland hocked out of her not so much neatly as liberally and in his black watch uniform all caked with mud his kit and nearly all his worldly possessions on his back he is an apparition scarcely less fearsome but so much less ragged than those ancestors of his who trotted with prince charlie to derby he stands silent scowling at the old lady daring her to raise her head and she would like very much to do it for she longs to have a first glimpse of her son when he does speak it is to jeer at her do you recognize your loving son missus oh the fine scotch tang of him she thinks i'm pleased i wrote so often oh but he's raised she thinks he strides towards her and seizes the letters roughly let's see them there is a string round the package and he unties it and examines the letters at his leisure with much curiosity the envelopes are in order all addressed in pencil to mrs dowey with the proud words opened by censor on them but the letter paper inside contains not a word of writing nothing but blank paper is this your writing in pencil on the envelope she nods and he gives the matter further consideration the covey told me you were a charwoman so i suppose you picked the envelopes out of waste paper baskets or such like and then changed the addresses she nods again still she dare not look up but she is admiring his legs when however he would cast the letters into the fire she flames up with sudden spirit she clutches them don't you burn them letters mister they're not real letters they're all i have he turns in irony i thought you had a son i never had a man nor a son nor anything i just call myself missus to give me a standing well it's past my seeing through he turns to look for some explanation from the walls she gets a peep at him at last oh what a grandy set-up man oh the stride of him oh the noble rage of him oh samson had been like this before that woman took him in hand he whirls round on her what made you do it it was everybody's war mister except mine she beats her arms i wanted it to be my war too you'll need to be plainer and yet i'm damned if i care to hear you you lying old trickster the words are merely what were to be expected and so are endurable but he has moved toward the door you're not going already mister yes i just came to give you an ugly piece of my mind she holds out her arms longingly you haven't gave it to me yet you have a cheek she gives further proof of it you wouldn't drink some tea me i tell you i came here for the one purpose of blazing away at you it is such a roaring negative that it blows her into a chair but she is up again in a moment is this spirited old lady you could drink the tea while you're blazing away there's winkles is there he turns interestedly towards the table but his proud scots character checks him which is just as well for what she would have said was that there had been winkles 
not me you're just a common rogue he seats himself far from the table now then out with it sit down she sits meekly there is nothing she would not do for him as you char i suppose you are on your feet all day i'm more on my knees that's where you should be to me oh mister i'm willing stop it go on you accomplished liar it is true my name is dowie it's enough to make me change mine i've been charring and charring and charring as far back as i mind i've been in london this twenty years we'll skip your early days i have an appointment and then when i was old the war broke out how could it affect you oh mister that's the thing it didn't affect me it affected everybody but me the neighbors looked down on me even the posters on the walls of the woman saying go my boy leered at me i sometimes cried by myself in the dark you won't have a cup of tea no sudden like the idea came to me to pretend i had a son you depraved old limmer but what in the name of old nick made you choose me out of the whole british army mrs dowey giggles there is little doubt that in her youth she was an accomplished flirt maybe mister it was because i liked you best now now woman i read one day in the papers in which he was assisted by private k dowey fifth battalion black watch private k dowey is flattered did you now well i expect that's the only time i was ever in the papers mrs dowey tries it on again i didn't choose you for that alone i read a history of the black watch first to make sure it was the best regiment in the world anybody could have told you that he is moving about now in better humour and meeting the loaf in his stride he cuts a slice from it he is hardly aware of this but mrs dowey knows i like the scotch voice of you woman it drummles on like a hillburn Posen water runs by where i was born flirting again maybe it teached me to speak mister canny woman canny i read about the black watch's ghostly piper that plays proudly when the men of the black watch do well and prouder when they fall there's some foolish story of that kind he has another careless slice off the loaf but you couldn't have been living here at that time or they would have guessed i suppose you flitted yes it cost me eleven and sixpence how did you guess the k in my name stood for kenneth does it Humph. an angel whispered it to me in my sleep well that's the only angel in the whole black business he chuckles you little thought i would turn up wheeling suddenly on her or did you i was beginning to weary for a sight of you kenneth what word was that mister he helps himself to butter and she holds out the jam pot to him but he haughtily rejects it do you think she gives in now not a bit of it he returns to sarcasm i hope you're pleased with me now you see me i'm very pleased does your folk live in scotland glasgow both living ay is your mother terrible proud of you naturally you'll be going to them after i've had a skite in london first 
the old lady sniffs so she's in london who your young lady are you jealous not me you need a be she's a young thing you surprise me a beauty no doubt you may be sure he tries the jam she's a titled person she is equally popular as maid wife and munition worker mrs dowey remembers lady dolly canister so familiar to readers of fashionable gossip and a very leery expression indeed comes into her face tell me more about her man she has sent me a lot of things especially cakes and a worsted waistcoat with a loving message on the enclosed card the old lady is now in a quiver of excitement she loses control of her arms which jump excitedly this way and that you'll try one of my cakes mister not me they're of my own making no i thank you but with a funny little run she is in the pantry and back again she planks down a cake before him at sight of which he gapes what's the matter tell me oh tell me mister that's exactly the kind of cake that her ladyship sends me mrs dowey is now a very glorious old character indeed is the waistcoat right mister i hope the black watch colours pleased you what was it you i daredna give my own name you see and i was always reading hers in the papers the badgered man looms over her terrible for the last time woman is there no getting rid of you are you angry he sits down with a groan oh hell give me some tea she rushes about preparing a meal for him every bit of her wanting to cry out to every other bit oh glory 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 for a moment she hovers behind his chair kenneth she murmurs what he asks no longer aware that she is taking a liberty nothing she says just kenneth and is off gleefully for the tea caddy but when his tea is poured out and he has drunk a saucer full the instinct of self-preservation returns to him between two bites don't you be thinking missus for one minute that you have got me no no on that understanding he unbends i have a theatre to-night followed by a randy dandy oh kenneth this is a queer first meeting it is woman oh it is guardedly and it is also a last meeting yes yes so here's to you you old mop and pail ave atque vale what's that that means hail and farewell are you a scholar being scotch there's almost nothing i don't know what was your trade carter glazier or a man any rough jobs you're a proper man to look at i'm generally admired she's an enviable woman who your mother eh oh that was just protecting myself from you i have neither father nor mother nor wife nor grandmamma bitterly this party never even knew who his proud parents were is that gleaming is that true it's gospel heaven be praised eh none of that i was a fool to tell you but don't think you can take advantage of it pass the cake i dare say it's true we'll never meet again kenneth but but if we do i wonder where it will be not in this world there's no telling leering ingratiatingly 
it might be at berlin todd if i ever get to berlin i believe i'll find you there waiting for me with a cup of tea for you in my hand yes and heartily very good tea too he had partaken heavily he is now in high good humour kenneth we could come back by paris all the ladies slapping his knees likes to go to paris oh kenneth kenneth if just once before i die i could be fitted for a paris gown with dreamy corsage you're all alike old covey we have a song about it he sings mrs gill is very ill nothing will improve her but to see the tuileries and waddle through the louvre no song ever had a greater success mrs dowey is doubled up with mirth when she comes to when they both come to for there are a pair of them she cries you must learn me that and off she goes in song also mrs dowey is very ill nothing can improve her stop cries clever kenneth and finishes the verse but dressed up in a paris gown to waddle through the louvre they fling back their heads she points at him he points at her she says ecstatically hairy legs a mad remark which brings him to his senses he remembers who and what she is mind your manners rising well thank you for my tea i must be stepping poor mrs dowey he is putting on his kit where are you living he sighs that's the question but there's a place called the hut where some of the second battalion are they'll take me in beggars bitterly can't be choosers beggars i've never been here before if you knew a shadow coming over him what it is to be in such a place without a friend i was crazy with glee when i got my leave at the thought of seeing london at last but after wandering its streets for four hours i would almost have been glad to be back in the trenches if you knew he has said but indeed the old lady knows that's my conundrum too kenneth he nods sympathetically i'm sorry for you you poor old body shouldering his kit but i see no way out of it for either of us a cooing voice says do you not are you at it again she knows that it must be now or never she has left her biggest guns for the end in her excitement she is rising up and down on her toes kenneth i've heard that the thing a man on leave longs for more than anything else is a bed with sheets and a bath you never heard anything truer go into that pantry kenneth dowey and lift the dresser top and tell me what you see he goes there is an awful stillness he returns impressed it's a kind of bath you could do yourself there pretty half at a time me there's a woman through the wall that would be very willing to give me a shake-down till your leave is up he snorts oh is there she has not got him yet but there is still one more gun kenneth look with these simple words she lets down the bed she says no more an effect like this would be spoilt by language fortunately he is not made of stone he thrills my word 
That's the dodge we need in the trenches. That's your bed, Kenneth. Mine, he grins at her. You queer old divert. What can make you so keen to be burdened by a lump like me? He, 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 I tell you, I'm the commonest kind of man. I'm just the commonest kind of old wifey myself. I've been a kickabout all my life, and I'm no great shakes at the war. Yes, you are. How many Germans have you killed? Just two for certain, and there was no glory in it. It was just because they wanted my shirt. Your shirt? Well, they said it was their shirt. Have you took prisoners? I once took half a dozen, but that was a poor affair, too. How could one man take half a dozen? Just in the usual way I surrounded them. Kenneth, you're just my ideal. You're easily pleased. He turns again to the bed. Let's see how the thing works. He kneads the mattress with his fist, and the result is so satisfactory that he puts down his kit. Old lady, if you really want me, I'll bide. Oh, 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 oh. Her joy is so demonstrative that he has to drop a word of warning. But mind you, I don't accept you as a relation. For your personal glory, you can go on pretending to the neighbors. But the best I can say for you is that you're on your probation. I'm a cautious character, and we must see how you'll turn out. Yes, Kenneth. And now I think for that bath. My theatre begins at 6.30. A cove I met on the bus is going with me. She is a little alarmed. You're sure you'll come back? Yes, yes, handsomely. I leave my kit in pledge. You won't lick her up too freely, Kenneth. You're the first, chuckling, to care whether I do or not. Nothing she has said has pleased the lonely man so much as this. I promised Todd, I'm beginning to look forward to being awakened in the morning by hearing you cry, Get up, you lazy swine. I've kind of envied men that had women folk with the right to say that. He is passing to the bathroom when a diverting notion strikes him. What is it, Kenneth? The theatre. It would be showier if I took a lady. Mrs. Dowie feels a thumping at her breast. Kenneth. Tell me this instant what you mean. Don't keep me on the jumps. He turns her around. No, it couldn't be done. Was it me you were thinking of? Just for the moment, regretfully. But you have no style. She catches hold of him by the sleeve. Not in this, of course, but, oh, Kenneth, if you saw me in my merino. It's laced up the back in the very latest. Hm. doubtfully. But let's see it. It is produced from a drawer, to which the old lady runs with almost indecent haste. The connoisseur examines it critically. Looks none so bad. Have you a bit of chiffon for the neck? It's not bombs, nor kaisers, nor tipperaries that men in the trenches think of. It's chiffon. I swear I have, Kenneth. And I have a bangle, and a muff, and gloves. Ay, ay, he considers. Do you think you could give your face less of a homely look? I'm sure I could. Then you can have a try. But, mind you, I promise nothing. All will depend on the effect. He goes into the pantry, and the old lady is left alone. Not alone, for she is ringed round by entrancing hopes and dreadful fears. 
they beam on her and jeer at her they pull her this way and that with difficulty she breaks through them and rushes to her pail hot water soap and a looking-glass our last glimpse of her for this evening shows her staring not discontentedly at her soft old face licking her palm and pressing it to her hair her eyes are sparkling one evening a few days later mrs twymley and mrs mickleham are in mrs dowey's house awaiting the lady's return from some fashionable dissipation they have undoubtedly been discussing the war for the first words we catch are mrs mickleham i tell you flat amelia i bows no knee to junkerdom mrs twymley sitting here by the fire you and me as one to another what do you think will happen after the war are we to go back to being as we were mrs mickleham speaking for myself amelia not me the war has awakened me up to an understanding of my own importance that is really astonishing mrs twymley same here instead of being the poor worms the like of you and me thought we was we turns out to be visible departments of a great and haughty empire they are well under way and with a little luck we might now hear their views on various passing problems of the day such as the neglect of science in our public schools but in comes the hackerty woman and spoils everything she is attired like them in her best but the effect of her is that her clothes have gone out for a walk leaving her at home mrs mickleham with deep distaste hears that submarine again the haggerty woman cringes to them but gets no encouragement the haggerty woman it's a terrible war mrs twymley is that so the haggerty woman i wonder what will happen when it ends mrs mickleham i have no idea the intruder produces her handkerchief but does not use it after all she is in her best the haggerty woman are they not back yet perfect ladies must reply to a direct question mrs mickleham no icily we have been waiting this half hour they are at the theatre again the haggerty woman you tell me i just popped in with an insignificant present for him as his leave is up mrs twymley the same errand brought us haggerty woman my present is cigarettes they have no intention of telling her what their presents are but the secret leaps from them mrs mickleham so is mine mrs twymley mine too triumph of the haggerty woman but it is short-lived mrs mickleham mine has gold tips mrs twymley so has mine the haggerty woman need not say a word you have only to look at her to know that her cigarettes are not gold-tipped she tries to brazen it out which is so often a mistake the haggerty woman what care i mine are exquisitos no wonder they titter mrs mickleham excuse me mrs haggerty if that's your name but the word is exquisitos the haggerty woman much obliged weeps mrs mickleham i think i heard a taxi mrs twymley it will be her third this week they peer through the blind they are so excited that rank is forgotten the haggerty woman what is she in mrs mickleham the new astrakhan 
jacket he gave her with venus sleeves the haggerty woman has she sold her gabardine coat mrs mickleham not her she has them both at the theatre warm night though it is she's wearing the astrakhan and carrying the gabardine flung careless-like over her arm the haggerty woman i saw her strutting about with him yesterday looking as if she thought the two of them made a procession mrs twymley hush peeping strike me dead if she's not coming mincing down the stair hooked on his arm indeed it is thus that mrs dowey enters perhaps she had seen shadows lurking in the blind and at once hooked on to kenneth to impress the visitors she is quite capable of it now we see what kenneth saw that afternoon five days ago when he emerged from the bathroom and found the old trembler awaiting his inspection here are the muff and the gloves and the chiffon and such a kind old bonnet that it makes you laugh at once i don't know how to describe it but it is trimmed with a kiss as bonnets should be when the wearer is old and frail we must take the merino for granted until she steps out of the astrakhan she is dressed up to the nines there is no doubt about it yes but is her face less homely above all has she style the answer is in a stout affirmative ask kenneth he knows many a time he has had to go behind a door to roar hilariously at the old lady he has thought of her as a lark to tell his mates about by and by but for some reason that he cannot fathom he knows now that he will never do that mrs dowey kenneth affecting surprise we have visitors dowey your servant ladies he is no longer mud-caked and dour a very smart figure is this private dowey and he winks engagingly at the visitors like one who knows that for jolly company you cannot easily beat charwomen the pleasantries that he and they have exchanged this week the sauce he has given them the wit of mrs mickleham's retorts the bandinage of mrs twymley the neat giggles of the haggerty woman there has been nothing like it since you took the countess in to dinner mrs twymley we should apologize we're not meaning to stay mrs dowey you are very welcome just wait the ostentation of this till i get out of my astrakhan and my muff and my gloves and it's the bonnet's turn now my excelsior at last we see her in the merino a triumph mrs mickleham you've given her a glory time mr dowey dowey it's her that has given it to me mrs mrs dowey hey 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 he just pampers me waggling her fists the lord forgive us but this being the last night we had a sit-down supper at a restaurant vehemently i swear by god that we had champagne wine there is a dead stillness and she knows very well what it means she has even prepared for it and to them as doubts my word here's the cork she places the cork in its lovely gold drapery upon the table mrs mickleham i'm sure mrs twymley i would thank you mrs downey not to say a word against my alfred mrs dowey me dowey come come ladies in the masterful way that it is so hard for women to resist if you say another word i'll kiss the lot of you there is a moment of pleased confusion 
Mrs. Mickleham, really, them sodgers. The Haggerty Woman. The Kilties is the worst. Mrs. Twimley. I'm sure, heartily, we don't grudge you your treats, Mrs. Dowie. And sorry we are that this is the end. Dowie. Yes, it's the end. With a troubled look at his old lady. I must be off in ten minutes. The little soul is too gallant to break down in company. She hurries into the pantry and shuts the door. Mrs. Mickleham, poor thing, but we must run, for you'll be having some last words to say to her. Dowie, I kept her out long on purpose, so as to have less time to say them in. He more than half wishes that he could make a bolt to a public house. Mrs. Twimley, it's the best way. In the important affairs of life, there is not much that any one can teach a charwoman. Just a mere nothing to wish you well, Mr. Dowie. All three present him with the cigarettes. Mrs. Mickleham. A scraping, as one might say, the Haggerty woman. The heart, enigmatically, is warm, though it may not be gold-tipped. Dowie, you bricks. The ladies. Good luck, cocky. Dowie. The same to you, and if you see a soldier man up there in a kilt, he is one that is going back with me. Tell him not to come down, but but to give me till the last minute, and then to whistle. It is quite a grave man who is left alone, thinking what to do next. He tries a hoarse laugh, but that proves of no help. He says hell to himself, but it is equally ineffective. Then he opens the pantry door and calls. Old lady, she comes timidly to the door, her hand up as if to ward off a blow. Is it time? An encouraging voice answers her. No, no, not yet. I've left word for Dixon to whistle when go I must. All is ended. Now then, you promised to be gay. We were to help one another. Yes, Kenneth. It's bad for me, but it's worse for you. The men have medals to win, you see. The women have their medals, too. He knows she likes him to order her about, so he tries it again. Come here. No, I'll come to you. He stands, gaping at her, wonderingly. He has no power of words, nor does he quite know what he would like to say. God, what is it, Kenneth? You're a woman. I had near forgot it. He wishes he was at the station with Dixon. Dixon is sure to have a bottle in his pocket. They will be roaring a song presently. But in the meantime, there is that sun business. Bleathers, the whole thing, of course, or mostly bleathers, but it's the way to please her. Have you noticed you have never called me son? Have I noticed it? I was feared, Kenneth. You said I was on probation. And so you were. Well, the probation's ended. He laughs uncomfortably. The like of me. But if you want me, you can have me. Kenneth, will I do? Woman, artfully gay, don't be so forward. Wait till I have proposed. Propose for a mother? What for, no? In the grand style. Mrs. Dowie, you queer Carl, you spunky titty. Have I your permission to ask you the most important question a neglected orphan can ask of an old lady? She bubbles with birth. Who could help it? The man has such a way with him. None of your sauce, Kenneth. For a long time, Mrs. Dowie, you cannot have been unaware of my sonish feelings for you. Wait till I get my mop to you. 
and if you're not willing to be my mother i swear i'll never ask another the old divert pulls him down to her and strokes his hair was i a well-behaved infant mother not you sonny you were a rampaging rogue was i slow in learning to walk the quickest in our street he 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 she starts up was that the whistle no no see here in taking me over you have in a manner of speaking joined the black watch i like to think that kenneth then you must behave so that the ghost piper can be proud of you shun she stands bravely at attention that's the style now listen i've sent in your name as being my nearest of kin and your allowance will be coming to you weekly in the usual way hey 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 is it wicked kenneth i'll take the responsibility for it in both worlds you see i want you to be safeguarded in case anything hap kenneth shun have no fear i'll come back covered with mud and medals mind you have that cup of tea waiting for me he is listening for the whistle he pulls her on to his knee hey 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 what fun we'll have writing to one another real letters this time yes it would be a good plan if you began the first letter as soon as i've gone i will i hope lady dolly will go on sending me cakes you may be sure he ties his scarf round her neck you must have been a bonny thing when you were young away with you that scarf sets you fine blue was always my colour the whistle sounds old lady you are what blighty means to me now she hides in the pantry again she is out of sight to us but she does something that makes private dowie take off his bonnet then he shoulders his equipment and departs that is he laughing coarsely with dixon we have one last glimpse of the old lady a month or two after kenneth's death in action it would be rosemary to us to see her in her black dress of which she is very proud but let us rather peep at her in the familiar garments that make a third to her mop and pail it is early morning and she is having a look at her medals before setting off on the daily round they are in a drawer with the scarf covering them and on the scarf a piece of lavender first the black frock which she carries in her arms like a baby then her war saving certificates kenneth's bonnet a thin packet of real letters and the famous champagne cork she kisses the letters but she does not blub over them she strokes the dress and waggles her head over the certificates and presses the bonnet to her cheeks and rubs the tinsel of the cork carefully with her apron she is a tremulous olden yet she exults for she owns all these things and also the penny flag on her breast she puts them away in the drawer the scarf over them the lavender on the scarf her air of triumph well becomes her she lifts the pail and the mop and slouches off gamely to the day's toil End of part one.